1: Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from my midtown apartment for yet another edition of Break a Bat's quarantine series. Hope everybody's staying healthy and safe. Uh, joining me in the batter's box tonight is my awesome producer, now known as the Duke of New York, who's really done an... <laughs> I can't even make it through the sentence without laughing now. It's a great nickname, though.
0: I love it. I love it. Keep going. Keep going. We'll, we'll keep it here. This is awesome.
1: <laughs> He's really done an incredible job, though, seriously, especially with keeping uh, the VPN stronger than ever during this whole thing. Uh, one of my best friends, Mr. Alan Seals. Hey Al, how are you? Hanging in, brother. Hanging in. Had a really productive day today. I gave myself my own haircut for the first time <laughs> in very long time. Um, how about you? <laughs>
0: this, is, this is my excuse to not groom myself. Um, so I'm going to come out of all of this with like a Yeti beard and the longest hair you've ever seen. <laughs> you have enough up top
1: that you could pull that off and make it work. You know what I mean? For me, it's just like, <laughs> it's grown all puffy on the sides. Like, no, 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 no. There's not enough on top to support that. So <laughs> I had to do something about that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, You're washing your hands. Everything
0: good. for staying, staying safe. Everyone's healthy, at least in my circles.
1: Good. Knock on wood. That's what we like yep. to hear. And, um, you know, we're also going to welcome someone else in tonight, uh, our very special guest to the Remote Batters Box, a Broadway veteran of almost 10 years uh, with credits including American Idiot, Kinky Boots, and she's currently starring in Diana, A True Musical Story, in which she plays Princess Diana. Uh, The show had actually just begun previews about two weeks prior to Broadway shutting down, so... Uh, We obviously look forward to its return, but we're also very much looking forward to this chat here tonight. So with that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee, now batting, Gina Duvall. How are you holding up, Gina?
2: Hello. I'm very good. Thank you for having me.
1: Such a pleasure. What have you been doing uh, with all this extra time that you have?
2: Oh, gosh. Um... Well, at first I was having so much fun, uh, just having some time off and, uh, me and my boyfriend would, you know, do doing all the things we never do, like sleeping in and watching TV and day drinking and all that stuff. But then suddenly after about a week, we both got simultaneously pretty bored. So, um, so, uh, yeah, it's pretty weird having gone from the, the Broadway schedule to, to staying at my parents.
1: And they're in New Jersey.
2: They're in. They're in New Jersey. That's where I am now. We came here about a week ago.
1: Probably it feels safer than NYC, would you say?
2: Well, we just have a little bit more space, you know. I'm. I'm. We. Uh, there's an out. We can go out into the garden, and uh, there's a an office where I'm talking to you from now. You know, there's just a little bit more space than than staying staying in your tiny New York apartment.
1: Yeah, I hear that. Um, you know. it One thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, we are a baseball and Broadway podcast and in baseball right now, you have a lot of guys continuing to work out, whether it's, you know, taking swings in the cage, hitting the weights, playing catch in their backyard. They weren't necessarily getting ready, uh, for Diana, the musical, but, you know, just as far as, you know, staying on your game right now, what are you doing, uh, to make sure that you're, you know, up to par with how you want to perform when you're called back into action on Broadway?
2: Yeah, so definitely trying to work out every day with an online teacher, um, and really watching that food. You know, that's the easiest way to let it all go is is eating badly. So, so really, really trying to stay um, in maintenance with working out and food. I mean, gearing up to to the start of rehearsals, there was about four months of really vigorous physical training. You know, I had to trainer twice a day, five days a week uh, for. over three months. So I was like in tip top shape, like really ready to go. And it would be so soul destroying if when it all comes back, um, I'm not in that shape. So it's tough to stay there when it's sort of in this limbo, but, but that's what I'm really trying to do.
1: You're making me feel pretty bad right now because full disclosure, there's a chance that while we're doing this interview, we may get interrupted by a seamless delivery with a, an entire pizza pie. So
2: Believe me, <laughs> I get it. I would be that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Diana the musical, obviously. And you had just begun previews right uh, you know, right when the shutdown hit. We've had some stuff on Broadway that we probably never could have imagined would be adapted into a musical. When you heard about Princess Diana's life story becoming a musical, what was your initial reaction?
2: Oh gosh, Um, I honestly don't think I thought that much through. You know, as an actor in New York, you tend to audition for a million things um, every Um, day—not a million things every day, but but at least you know a couple of things a week. And when I auditioned for the show, it was just a reading, and I've auditioned for some really weird stuff, uh, in the reading form. I remember I, once I got an audition for a show called Hamilton, I was like, Oh God, this sounds terrible. I really don't want to go in for this. So, over, so over the course of being an actor in New York, you know, you've, you learn to just surrender and, and, and go for it because it always depends on the creative vision of what the director is imagining and, and all those things. And it's really hard to tell what's, um, you know, uh, inspired and what's terrible just from, um, an idea. So I, 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 I let me directing, uh, how an audition should, whether a piece is good or not a lot. I let that go a long time ago. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, you just casually drop in Hamilton, like, you know, just any other Broadway show title. Well,
2: that's an example of one that when I read, you know, I thought, gosh, this is going to be terrible. What are they thinking? And of course, you know, so you can't, you can't judge it because you, you, what's on paper is a tiny bit of it. And the rest is all about the imagination of the, of the creative team.
1: So they came to you with the idea of you reading for Diana specifically?
2: No, it was an audition like any other I was, uh, I was in a workshop of something else And I ran over in the lunch break um, Got the sides the night before You know, that, that typical New York actor story it, it was not a big Broadway show when I auditioned for it it was, a, it was a one-week reading
1: And that was at Vassar College?
2: Exactly, yeah, we were up at Vassar College
1: Now, how familiar with her story were you before this happened?
2: I was very familiar with who she was as the, um, role model, this sort of international f- star. Uh, but I really didn't know the ins and outs of her journey, especially in her younger years and the, um, trials she had to overcome and, um, the strength it took and how she did it and that she was really, uh, the, the, the personal, um, strength she found. And and I really, really didn't know the ins and outs of the story. I only knew the final product.
1: Would you say it's a good balance of all the good things about her life, as well as some of the trials and tribulations as far as, you know, she had a pretty polarizing personal life as well.
2: Yeah, it's a complete exploration of her life journey. Um, Really not uh, brushing over anything and really not uh, sort of making anything unrealistic and and overspoke it's it's truly an exploration of a really complicated marriage and uh I mean it's a it's a lot of fun it's not too serious the show it's a it's a entertaining comedy musical theater but at the, its core is a, a a really complicated story and so they don't really need to um you know embellish or or shy away it's all right there and that's where they've based the whole story on is sort of the, the, the nuts and bolts of what happened
0: Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com
2: it's my little escape
0: now Judy's the life of the party
2: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
0: whoa take it easy Judy Judy <laughs>
1: 18 plus Was there anything about her specifically that surprised you?
2: Um really how young she was and how little support she had. I don't think especially now when we look at uh when we review the story and how sympathetic we are today to people who are, you know, different or vulnerable or um or or uh, are, are susceptible to more uh, sensitive emotions. You know, we're very, very supportive these days and we really believe, you know, you follow your own path and follow your light and all those sort of things. But that wasn't the case then and especially not in England especially not in the royal family. You know, if you watch The Crown, um, you can see how, how the monarchy, how everyone in the monarchy was acting right up until the point where Diana got on the scene, you know, it's such a wonderful show that And it really sort of shows the, um, how people are expected to act and, and, and Diana changed that, you know, there's now there's almost this expected transparency with how the monarchy talks to the people and this willingness for the royals to be vulnerable. And, and, um, I really had no idea that she was the, the, the catalyst for that change.
1: So what would you say was the biggest challenge in bringing her to life as a role on stage?
2: but that, that 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 I would believably be her you know uh, um obviously it's more than replicating a sound bite you have to embody it so much that people are willing to go on a 3 hour journey with you and 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 follow you into a story so but they will decide in you know the first minute whether they buy that you are her or not and um and if and if they don't then it's quite hard to gain them back so uh the greatest challenge is is is, is embodying her
1: now, David Bryan of Bon Jovi wrote the music, is that correct? Correct. Very interesting choice. You know, it seems like every show you do is scored by some mega rock star. It's like Cindy Lauper when you did Kinky Boots and you mm-hmm. had Green Day with American Idiot. Now you have just, you know, casually one of Bon Jovi's top songwriters. It's pretty amazing.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah, um I know, I'm so lucky. I I think it's a combination of one how I sing that Uh, I'm obviously in the, in the musical theater talent pool. So the creatives get their pick and, um, maybe it's more how I sing that they, that it sort of aligns more with their ear. Uh, but yeah, I've had a a real, really amazing time working with these people and seeing how they think and how they write.
1: Do you have a favorite song in the show that you get to perform?
2: I have multiple. I'm truly spoiled in this show. I have, um like many solos and they're they're all they're all wonderful i mean it, it, i'm truly spoiled for the amount of great songs i can see people doing them for auditions and and uh college auditions and karaoke's and drag nights for, for years to come
1: <laughs> now before everything had shut down did they give you any insight or you know even throughout this whole thing with COVID-19, have they given you any insight on a plan and what's going to happen going forward? Do you get inside info that maybe we're not privy to? Um,
2: no, here? you know, it was such a strange morning on that Thursday. I feel like, you know, the first week was our first week in previews and it wasn't really in my mind at all that Broadway might close and we were so busy and all that stuff and the audience was packed. And then that second week, it all started to snowball really quickly and, and massive events were closing and, um, and even at the start of that week, a few people were saying, you know, you need to go and stock up. And um, and I thought, God, they're crazy. You know, what the hell? You know, and uh, it, it's wild that it did blindside us. But in many ways, it sort of snowballed so quickly in that week. And I woke up on that Thursday morning with a pretty heavy heart that just, gosh, I think, I don't know if it's going to be when it's going to be, but it seems likely that this will happen um, and when we found out that day we, we didn't have a show that night, you know, it all happened very quickly, but no, we don't have any inside information. I think we're, um, we're, we're waiting with beta breath to see how this all plays out.
1: Well, let me ask you, what are you looking forward to most as far as, uh, when Broadway does come back?
2: The audience, the, the being with, in a shared room with people and, uh, you know, making the joint commitment that I'll tell you a story and you'll listen and together we'll have this magical night. Um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to so many friends and, uh, and I mean, I, I, I run a business as well an online business at the moment. So I'm, it's not that I'm lonely. I'm talking to many people every day, but it's not the same as being in a room with other people and, and having a shared experience.
1: Was there ever any uh, rumblings as to whether or not the royal family was aware that the show was happening?
2: <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. I hope they know. I hope they come and see us one day.
1: Yeah, that's not too far
0: fetched, right?
2: I don't know. Maybe.
0: Well, I, I know that this—you know—this was workshop for a long time in, in out in La Jolla, um, and so at that point, like nothing came from the royal family, or was this sort of. I mean, I actually don't understand the difference between being able to do an authorized biography or an authorized story or or you know having someone's blessing versus you know the unauthorized parody or the unauthorized story of or you know what I mean? Like are we just able to make up a story and do it? Or you know, I figured like lawyers had to get involved at some point and say, all right, we're cool. Check royal family, we all good.
2: I'm not sure.
1: Now, let me ask you, growing up in England, does your introduction to theatre solely come from the West End?
2: No, not particularly. We used to, a lot of my, um, I used to really obsess about Broadway shows, but sort of in with cast album recordings. You know, as a lot of people who can't get access to shows regularly, it's sort of all in your own imagination. But then we would make trips to New York and we'd sort of see as many shows as we could and you know matinee evening matinee evening as many as we could um and then we would see i'd see some west end shows and i also saw some local shows there's quite nice local theaters in coventry and birmingham my my granddad was an amateur dramatics actor so i would see him and his company and um it's always been in my life
1: which shows did you see when you came here for the first time
2: uh one that really stuck in my mind was boeing boeing That made such an impression on me.
1: Tell me about Boeing Boeing. What was it that made you gravitate towards Broadway?
2: I I mean, Mark Rylance's performance in that, it was before I knew who he was. It was just, um, I mean, it was before he was the international star he is today. But it, it just absolutely stuck in my mind and had my whole family sort of crippled over and laughing. And, and that sort of United experience of laughing with your dad and laughing with your mom and like, you're all sort of in this one area and it's sort of, um, it's just so magical when a performance like really moves you and moves you as a group. It's just amazing.
1: Any musicals ever stand out?
2: um many i remember loving the original color purple we saw that as a family on i think new year's eve so that was an amazing experience where the audience was so vocal um one it's uh because you know it's, it was new year's eve two because it was they're americans and americans tend to be you know a lot more willing to um vocalize in an audience and stuff and and it was just such a crazy amazing night where the where the show was amazing and, and people were calling out and cheering and booing. And um, we absolutely loved that show. I love the remake of it too, but that—that's the, the original really was a special evening as a teenager.
1: Now you had studied at some very prestigious performing arts institutions in England. Uh, what was it that made you want to gravitate towards Broadway as opposed to a career, uh, you know, a great theatrical career in London, let's say, because there's obviously a very rich history there as well.
2: Yeah. I don't know what it is about musical theatre. I know sometimes, um, especially in England, people can think it's a little bit of the, the sad cousin of, of straight plays, but um, I, I, it, for some reason it always moves my soul so much. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I, when, when that concoction is right and that music or that dance and that storytelling and that vibrato you know all those silly things it just it absolutely moves me so much and I find it an easy way to sort of tap into like a transcendent experience um easier than plays you know when, when a great play moves me I mean I'm just a mess on the floor but um but I, I, I just loved musical theater growing up. I just loved it. And I think there's a lot more in New York, especially, you know, it's all private. It's all privately funded in New York. So everyone is trying to make that next Wicked. And uh, so there's always readings and workshops going on. And even when you're not in a show, there's a million things to get involved with um, in New York. And that's really exciting.
1: Now you talk about how it moves your soul. Uh, for me, that's always been one of the most uh, the most prevalent things as far as my love for both theater and sports, especially the baseball, obviously. Uh, do it, does, you know, and you, you have a very sophisticated audience, obviously in England, uh, do they feel the same way about sports as far as, you know, cause I know that you obviously, you know, you have the Liverpool football club there, obviously, which is probably even bigger than the New York Yankees. Um, do you think that a lot of people draw parallels there in between, you know, an appreciation of sports and the arts?
2: <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Football and musical theater, I've never heard. Of. I mean, soccer and musical theater, I've never really heard them go. Oh, there is that beautiful game by Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's pretty, uh, that ties it together.
1: Didn't you link up with Lloyd Webber just casually I while didn't. you were in college?
2: I did the beautiful game. I did the soccer one.
1: Oh, so you did a show about sports. That's what yeah, I thought.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, you had linked up with him and Ben Elton, two powerhouse names that you just, you know, casually encounter on your, on your journey while you were at Lippo, which is Paul McCartney's prestigious performing arts, uh, university. Um, was that, I guess, like your precursor to joining the We Will Rock You cast, which eventually got you over to Broadway?
2: Yeah. I mean, from doing that workshop, um, they, I, I, I didn't get a job in We Will Rock You, but I got an audition. So, um, you know, that was definitely a, a helpful crack in the door to get an audition. And, um, and then during that, and then, yeah, it was kind of a baptism of fire that first year. I'd never sang on a stage that size or, or even, you know, singing with a microphone when you're in, in drama school, you know, you're so used to singing without a microphone in these rehearsal halls and all that, which is great, but it's nothing like singing on a microphone with a band and, um, and mic technique. It's literally incomparable. So um, it was the baptism of fire. And I was absolutely terrible when I first joined. But during that year, I I, I bought a microphone um, to have in my house. And I would practice with a microphone, where, whereas I'd never really done that before. I'd always been this sort of actor first who was singing and, and performing, but not really listening like a singer listens to the sound that they make like an instrument, you know? And, um, so I bought a microphone and I would record myself every day and listen to it back and try and slow down my vibrato or try and, um, yodel with my flip or like do just play with what could I do with my instrument? So, um, so that maybe that is, you know, why, uh, I tend to do more pop shows because, um, be, but really listening to yourself as a, as a, as an instrument rather than just acting, acting the song.
1: Can you yodel right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, now. <laughs> Come on. You've seen the sound of music. Can you at least give me some of that? <laughs> well you're talking to me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know well oh, Alan, I know you could do it in two seconds. I'd love to hear Gina do it though. There
0: you
1: go. <inaudible> oh, that's amazing. Pardon me while I stand up and applaud. <inaudible> <pipelinesclamation> <God hurt. inaudible> that was very good.
0: Gina <inaudible> <oit> is not impressed. <laughs> yeah,
1: clearly not. No, I love you.
0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
2: I will call upon you to do a service for
0: me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: I want to give a quick plug to something that you created a couple of years ago that I think is really cool. You and your sister, Danny founded Broadway Weekends, a musical theater camp for adults. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so... Um as I sort of mentioned, I've been, uh, I, I uh, well, I don't know if I mentioned it. So I grew up in a performing arts boarding school. And so everything about my upbringing was sort of revolved around theatre. And um, being in Broadway shows and everything, you tend to do a lot of workshops for kids. You know, you get asked these workshops all the time. And there's very little for adults uh, to do. I mean, I know there's amateur amateur theatre that people can get involved with, Um but that tends to get a bad reputation. It's also a really long time commitment for most busy working adults. And um, and it, and it's not really working with Broadway performers. And so I sort of thought, gosh, you know, there's got to be some way of linking theatre lovers who are adults and just want to do this for fun with training for, uh, with Broadway professionals and um, and not with the goal of, you know, not with the goal of becoming a professional performer one day, but just with the goal of, the fun of singing in a group and the fun of dancing in a group and the fun of working on a skill set and developing it and um, you know, all those things. Like and so we started doing these theater camps for adults uh two and a half years ago. And um slowly and surely they've grown, they grew a following. And uh just before COVID-19, we were doing them all over Northern America by teaming up with actors in national tours. I think we did like 15 pop-up camps in the last three months um, all, all led by the Broadway performers in the national tours and all just for fun, just for adults who, you know, wanted to learn a section from Mean Girls or wanted to learn about the music behind the band's visit or, uh, the movement in Once on this Island and all these sort of things. So just a chance to work with, you know, Broadway professionals who are by any definition, the top in the game and learn directly from them. So we started doing that. And then, uh, with covid-19 obviously, we've had to cancel all of our theater camps because no one wants to be doing that right now so uh we started hosting online classes maybe 10 days ago um and so the facebook group is called broadway weekends at home and we've nearly 3000 uh members and i think we're i just look now we're at 2700 members in um you know, 10 days. So we really, if you want to learn right directly from your home and we we have classes in everything from reading music to yodeling, from reading music to, uh, acting through song, um, to stage management, to Q and A's, to concerts. I think Christy Altimore is doing a concert for us this Friday night. Josh Lehman did a concert for us last, Quite nice. So, just a way to stay connected with with uh, passionate theatre folks and and keep working on your skills. So, um, yeah. So that's what we're doing. That's what's keeping me busy during the day.
1: So, if Alan and I enroll, we actually might get to hear you yodel then.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, Gina, I know you're not the biggest sports person, but um, we do one segment to wrap every show, and I want you to visualize yourself as an all-star baseball player. It's the ninth inning. Uh, Your team is down a run. Uh, You have men on second and third that you've got to get in with a pitcher throwing 105 miles an hour on the mound. It might just be a Roldis Chapman who Alan alluded to earlier. He's kind of like the mascot of the baseball and Broadway community. Uh, all Six time all star closer He's bringing heat So you've got to really be on your game In the batter's box here We're going to ask you a question You say the first thing that comes to your head How does that sound?
2: Alright, let's do it
1: This is
0: like rap battling Lin-Manuel
2: <laughs> It's an impossible
1: task so I hope you're ready, Gina Okay, ready Alright <laughs> She sounds stoked, right? <laughs> Favorite place to eat, in New York City.
2: Um. Oh God. Um. (laughs) I can't think of one restaurant. Um. McDonald's. McDonald's. The the (laughs) glittery. No, I don't know. Um. Goddamn. Uh. Italy. Italy. Let's go with Italy.
0: Nice. All right. The thing you miss most about London.
2: Being able to drink outside.
1: Mm. Most embarrassing on-stage moment.
2: We're in Wicked, when the Fiero forgot to come out for the uh, for the train scene, and me and the Alpha were left on stage for like four minutes by ourselves. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> We sang a song. We didn't know what to do. We were crazy. We didn't know what to do. I have another one too. We Wicked. the uh, the fairy, he used to try and make me laugh, and you know when Glinda goes to change her name, he held mm-hmm. my hand so I couldn't walk forward, and I went to the white room, and I couldn't, uh, and I had to walk forward and give a monologue about changing my name, and I I couldn't remember a single line. <laughs>
1: Wish there was video footage of this. <laughs> that's so do I. Oh, so do I. That's one of the best answers we've ever had to that question.
0: Wow. <laughs> All right. What are your three desert island albums?
2: Um. Gosh. Uh. Brandy Carlisle. Um. God, I'm so bad at this game. Um. <laughs> Uh oh my God! I'm so sorry. I'll do everything is love. i will just look at my recently played everything is love and Leanna LeHavis. <laughs> all <Yeah>. right,
1: <laughs> all time favorite film.
2: Oh God! Um, Titanic. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> That's in my top five, so all right, uh, I consider that a good
0: answer. Uh, your dream role, the, Diana. Really? Yeah, for sure. So then you're done after this?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm gonna have some babies and call it a day.
1: <laughs> all right, folks, you hear that? <laughs> when Broadway comes back, this is your last chance to catch Sheena Duvall on Broadway. <laughs> Uh, proudest moment of your career.
2: Oh, um, probably joining the cast of American idiot. When I first got a Broadway debut, that was a really cool moment. I think maybe that, that first, I moved to New York in September and I started in Broadway in American idiot. And, um, that Christmas we, uh, that New Year's Eve, we sang with the ball dropping. Uh, so, you know, I could tell my friends, tune in, tune in, you know, and I'd only left a few months ago. So that, that was a, I mean, I'm not sure if that's proud or if that's bragging, but I loved giving them, (laughs) telling all my friends back home to watch the ball drop.
0: All right. So it's a two show day. You get home from the theater. It's after midnight. What's your favorite late night snack?
2: A stout with pea inside chips and a cheese string.
0: Hmm.
1: Now we're talking.
0: Pea <laughs> inside chips.
2: Yeah, they're, they're these amazing, like, uh, I'm, I'm, they're like, they're called inside peas or something, but they're so delicious. They just fry them. They're so good. They sell them at Trader Joe's. Shout out oh. to, to the one and only.
1: All right. I'll check them out. Nice. All right. And this is the one that we use to wrap every show. Uh, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you and what was it?
2: How you do anything is how you do everything.
1: Who told you that?
2: Uh, Jerry Mitchell always posts it.
1: Oh, so this is like a recent one.
2: Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, in the last five years, but yeah, it's a, it's one that definitely shakes me up when I think about it.
1: That's awesome. You know, I got to tell you, we're really stoked for you to, uh, you know, have that big Broadway opening night with Diana and, um, you know, we're pulling for you. We're so excited to see it. And, um, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today as well. Thank
2: you. Such a weird day, but we will. Yeah. It's, I can't wait to be back and, um, such a strange and, and sad moment I'm sure for so many people's lives at the moment, you know, but, uh, what a crazy thing to have lived through. I mean, this will be in the history books for a long time.
1: Gina, where can everyone find, uh, both you and Broadway weekends on social media?
2: Oh, just Google Broadway Weekends on Instagram, on Facebook, and you will find it. Um, And I'm the Big Duval.
1: With two A's.
2: With two A's. A W and two A's, exactly.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Gina. Uh, Thank you so much. Anytime. Um, This is Al Malafrante and Alan Seals signing off from the Broadway Podcast Network, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today and we'll see you next time.